You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Okay, good evening, people. How are you doing? Eight o'clock. Well, eight oh one. Apologies for that. And welcome to Sports Therapy Association podcast. Um, you have tuned in to episode 47. Um, it's been booked as an insurance special. Um, but before we get into that, um, let's just say thank you to last week's guests. We have the pleasure of the company of master's students, um, Kieran Wall and Sam Hellard from Cardiff University, who are doing um, in the first year master's of sports and exercise science, um, the biomechanics pathway at Cardiff Metropolitan University, where amongst other tutors, they're studying, they're doing research at the moment under the uh, tuition of the great Izzy Moore and it was a lovely um, episode just a chance of listening to their journey made me feel very old um, and everyone in the audience going what a lovely what a lovely bunch of boys what a lovely lads how polite so it it cleared up our our distorted grumpy old man um, image of, of kind of 20 year olds it was great they're very presentable um, and yeah if you want to check that out I definitely uh, would recommend it um, go to uh, the podcast download it and um, you can listen all about their experiences and why they chose the path where they are, what surprised them, uh, whether it was easy for them to get into university and a lot of other tips as well. So that's all waiting for you available video on YouTube on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel. Or if you prefer the podcast, you can just download it from your favorite podcast player. Um, also, while we're thanking people, then uh, the week before uh, we had the pleasure of three STA members and regional reps. And we uh, and Gary himself is going to be on a minute tonight. And we did a COVID-19 roadmap special uh, where we talked with Scottish regional rep uh, Daniel Gerber. Thank you very much, Daniel. I'm not sure he's in the house yet tonight. And that was really interesting looking at your perspective. And also Gronia Walsh, Northern Ireland, representing Northern Ireland Ireland. And Gareth Thomas Davis, representing Wales. And we looked at where we are at the moment. Okay, as the um, COVID-19 restrictions start easing off, we compared the different regions and it was, yeah, again, it was really nice kind of bonding um, UK um, kind of look at uh, where we move from here as individual therapists and indeed as an industry. And don't forget as well, um, just to mention for part one and part two of the shockwave therapy episodes, which are still um, being talked about, a whole load of great information on there. Um, still some very interesting debates going on. Not too polarised, I'm pleased to say. Um, but yeah, about shockwave therapy. Um, I'm happy to say most of the discussions I've seen still going on about them are, is does it suit you as a therapist? Is it something you should entertain having in your clinic? Uh, rather than, oh, it's great or, or it's rubbish, it doesn't work. So that's really healthy. I'm glad that came out of it. Um, I sit on one side of the fence, but I'm more open to the idea now for the right therapist with the right kind of investment and seeing the right athletes, particularly tendinopathies, then uh, it may well be something to invest in. And indeed, if you're looking for training of that, then do check out uh, Mike Grice um, and um, Uwe Indergaard, um, who are both fantastic educators, really good evidence-based educators as well, let's face it, because at the end of the day, all of these, all these adjuncts, as it were, it depends who presents them, who teaches them to you. Um, it's all about the interpretation of the results, isn't it, at the end of the day, like anything. So I would definitely encourage you to check out those two. But um, if you're with us live as well, I'm just going to say hello to a few people here. So Mark Nussi, always first through the door, as always. Um, good to see you here, Mike, Mark. Um, Catherine as well. The regulars are here. It's like a long bar, isn't it? Lining up the shots. Brian's here. Hey, Brian, how are you doing? Caroline McKendrick. 
If you ever want to come along to the Sports Therapy Association Facebook recording, then you're welcome. You don't have to be a member. It's a lovely chance to get to know um, what the STA is all about and the kind of people who are in here um, and a real friendly bunch. And it's kind of thanks to COVID, really, which sounds a bit weird. But there's definitely been some fantastic, I'd like to say, friendships kind of developed um, on professional levels as well. Lots of people talking to each other, not just sports therapists as well. We're crossing the traditional walls and barriers here. Um, Becky Carroll, Marta, how are you doing? Emma Victoria, Wardle, how are you? Louise Aker with no R. Fantastic. It's been a while, isn't it? I'm glad. Nice to see you. Notice how I got your name right straight away. Been practicing that. And Caroline, don't worry if you are late. Um, you haven't missed anything that serious yet. Just me wobbling on. So what we'll do is while I'm waiting um, to see if we can get uh, David on the show, then we'll bring up Gary um, Benson, founder of the Sports Therapy Association, and have a little chat about where things are. I know he's been a busy man. Um, and if you've got any questions um, for myself or Gary or anything indeed you'd like to talk about, because it might turn into a Q&A. So anything you guys in here fancy talking about, uh, then feel free. Um, but anyway, how are you, Gary? What's new? Um, yeah, very well, thank you. Um, what's new is the um, our Scottish members have uh, had a, an announcement from the First Minister today. I'm still going through it. Um, hi, Brian. Um, so, yeah, they're going to go back to work next week. Um, so, um, yeah, stay safe up there in Scotland, everybody. Um, the, the guidance will, I suppose, be, be the same as it is in England. Uh, as I say, I've got to go through the finer detail. I hadn't prepared uh, for tonight because we've, I've, got, I've got a list of questions about insurance here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, if any members are out there and they want to, you know, just have a chat, if they want to come on board tonight and, and have a chat, um, you know, where do they want us to go with this, you know, in, in the coming weeks and months? You know, is there anything they're interested in? Um, I, I've had a couple of conversations with people who... Um, from a graduate background, sports therapists who, who, who want to know a little bit more about um, or want to have a discussion about, you know, opportunities for, for graduates, you know, because the sports therapy is, you know, it's not a new industry. Um, you know, if you compare it to physiotherapy, for example, it is a new industry. But, you know, in 30 years um, that the, um, you know, the sports therapy uh, industry has been here, you know, how have have employment opportunities changed? I mean, we fight discrimination on a daily basis where, it, you know, they restrictive employment policies saying you have to be a member of this, that or the other, which we, we don't agree with. Um, so we're, we're fighting that. But, you know, what, what do the graduates do out there? Because, we, you know, we, we've, we've had a lot of focus recently on, on the chats about, you know, soft tissue therapy, the future of soft tissue therapy. We've had some, you know, some great people from across the world. Um, uh, you know, Walt Fritz talking about his journey in, in, in soft tissue therapy. Then we had Jamie Johnson from British Columbia talking about his and how he's moving towards or how the industry is moving towards an evidence informed industry. Um, but, it, you know, I've, I've been reading some of the Facebook groups um, over this past week about, you know, everybody's shooting down massage and soft tissue therapy. Um, you know, and it, it has a value, it has a place. Um, it might not be for the reasons that we, we thought uh, when we were trained, you know, we were told, uh, you know, about breaking down scar tissue and, and uh, stretching muscle fibres, etc. But, you know, the, the, the therapeutic touch has a, has a place, um, and I'm sure. So I'd like to hear from, from graduate sports therapists who'd like to come on and, and, and you know, probably extol the virtues of, of, of their individual practices. What do they do differently? You know, is it mainly soft tissue based is it exercise rehab based 
um, you know, do people work primarily in, in, in pitch side? So uh, let's get a sort of a, a general picture of, of where our members are working. It would be really good to have some members who are willing to come on board and just have a chat about it, really. Definitely. I mean, this whole thing was started with the idea of you guys sending in the subjects and it is happening in the background. So a couple of you, after we chatted uh, with Mike Stewart from No Pain, K-N-O-W, pain.co.uk, um, a couple of you actually mentioned that uh, you wanted to see if we could get Rachel Zoffness, pain psychologist on the show. I'm happy to say that she's going to be coming along on uh, May the 18th and talking live from San Francisco. Um, and she's got her pain management book, which is on Amazon. Um, so, yeah, had a lovely chat with her. Um, lovely ladies, I imagined. Um, I've read her book. And, um, yeah, she's, she's been doing a pain episode um, on May the 18th. Um, we've also got Gerard Green, who um, was requested when we had the last time we had the male pelvic health episode. Um, so he's going to be coming along uh, May the 11th. Um, and next week, I've still got to confirm it 100%, but I'm pretty sure um, we're going to have a really interesting talk um, about sacroiliac joint pain with Mark Laslett, who's a specialist uh, musculoskeletal physiotherapist from New Zealand, who's published papers on the topic um, just about evidence bringing up to date kind of the evidence-based um, practice with regards to sacroiliac joint dysfunction and the tests we use and whether there is a dysfunction is such a thing and that sort of stuff. So we've got a load of stuff booked in, but I only book stuff in if I haven't got messages from you guys. So I can see now actually Caroline has said, let's have a look. I would love to know how we can help to regulate the sports master's training to bring all courses in alignment. Well, Gary's the master on regulation. Gary, what do you think? Um, I answered a, um, a similar, th a similar question on a thread on, um, Tracy McClimmon's uh, sports massage training support group earlier. Um, when we've got the likes of VTCT and, uh, ITEC and Active IQ and YMCA, um, you know, the, uh, awarding organizations that have qualifications on the qualifications framework. When we have them, you know, producing, in my opinion, you know, um, courses which are not fit for purpose, um, you know, the level three sports massage now only um, only permits you to apply sports massage uh, strokes on non-pathological tissue. Um, well, you know, it's a bums on seats thing. You know, we need to write to these awarding organisations and, and, and express our concern as individuals about the, the standard coming out. And I'm not disrespecting in any way anybody who's done one of these courses because it's an, it seems an entry level course. Um, but I, I've had a chat with, um, with uh, a good friend of mine who's from an awarding organisation. We spoke for an hour and a half on it. Um, and, you know, the, the level three um, was going to be downgraded to a, a, something along the lines of, um, massage for the fitness professional and entry and level four was going to be an entry level soft tissue uh, qualification you know then covid hit and and, and every everybody's world has turned upside down there's no getting away from that so it's up to us now to to sort of pick up that mantle again and and and, and start going to the awarding organizations and and really as as you know if anybody's out there who's an educator um you know how long do you think we should be training people for? Because I, I was sent a screenshot of um, um, of a course that was VTCT uh, award, and it, it was 10 hours face-to-face -face training. The guided learning hours were 220, which is normal, but the face-to-face -face was only 10 hours, and you know I was horrified. But as long as we are 
subscribing to these and you know on a, a case in point here if i go on facebook and go to someone somewhere like um professional skills academy or um, home study college i can guarantee 20 or 30 of my friends have liked the page and yet they're sending out these ridiculous qualifications where you can do five qualifications for 100 quid you know it's an information repository and it's just some, you know, just do some assignments, uh, basically answer 10 questions per module. It takes you, you know, 15, 20 hours. And then you've got a, you've got a sports massage qualification that is insurable. And, and that's one of the questions I, I wanted to put to, uh, to David this evening was, you know, what is the insurance industry doing to make it difficult for these training providers to, uh, to get insurance for these courses because they're not fit for purpose. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of, of, of one-day diplomas that are run by Gateway, and I'm sure they do some some wonderful CPD courses, but they're not practitioner qualifications. So, um, we we need to you know take some responsibility individually. You know, I'm doing what I can in the background, but if you are concerned about the standard of qualification that's coming out, then write to the awarding body and say you know i'm not happy with this you know what what are you doing um to, to improve standards you know and and you can write to the uh to Ofqual, uh to voice your concerns I, i'm already writing to and speaking to um the people involved in regulation the professional standards authority uh about standards about it with what i see in the um the voluntary accredited registers um and you know that it, it all takes time you know it, it's you send an email and it's it's six to eight weeks before you get a response so a conversation to actually, a meaningful conversation can take six six to nine months um stevie Barr's about to do his level three and four with active iq uh, awarding organization um qualification I, I, i'm i'm actually quite pleased that some of the awarding organizations are combining this level three and four um, because, as I say, the, the level three really didn't prepare us to be occupationally competent. Um, I mean, there's some great uh, industry trainers out there with great reputations. Alex Hall from the Sports Massage Academy, you know, he, he teaches a business module on his, which I, I think should be included. Um, but, you know, if you look at the accredited register and the Complementary Natural Healthcare Council, um, there's a new sports massage stroke soft tissue therapy national occupational standard which requires something along the lines of 560 hours of training of which 353 have to be face to face that's that's the published amount and i don't know any course that meets that so you know what is the point of having a standard that can't be met um but what is the point of having a course that doesn't meet a standard so that there has to be some mid-ground somewhere that that we you know we need to get together and, and, and sort out uh, louise has just put i'm a graduate currently working two days a week at clinic giving sports massage therapy and sports rehab to clients ongoing injuries but started doing pt after all the time off in lockdown yeah it's all about raising that profile again and rebuilding the business but that's what we were saying you know throughout the message that we gave throughout lockdowns the various lockdowns was engage with your with your client list you know whether that's putting things on your facebook page whether that's giving them a you know a fortnightly telephone call or text message let them know that you care about them uh, because that's what we do We're, as a therapist we, you know we, we we care about them we we want them to achieve goals and, and we use our various skill sets to to facilitate that 
I was actually quite surprised. I started doing gate to gate, uh, gate to gate, face to face gate analysis again, and I was quite surprised at how emotional I felt inside. I didn't let it show, obviously, but at the first kind of face to face consultation I had again with somebody. Actually, I did the consultation online, but when it came to actually getting on the treadmill, then that was obviously face to face. And while I was doing it, and we did do some assessment, it was an ITB syndrome issue. So obviously I was testing and touching and feeling and stuff. And I just, I was surprised because I've been championing online consultation quite a lot. I wonder whether anybody else listening in here has had their kind of first actual face-to-face consultation and felt the same thing. But it just all came flooding back how nice it is to actually be in the presence of a human when you're caring for them and looking after them. And I could see it. It was nice, actually, because I really was thinking, you know, a lot of this can be done online. You can get just as much online. You can do it online. But it felt so good to be with somebody. And actually, I felt so much more powerful, not because what I was doing with my hands, but again, what I was kind of doing, I shouldn't say doing with my mouth, but with my ears, my mouth and communicating with them. It was a great thing, which could only really be achieved face to face. So um, I'm pleased about that because I was worried that it was all going to go kind of virtual. But um yeah, interested to see. Some of you have also returned now, obviously, to face-to-face. Has it been a, a nice sensation or have you, has anybody had any negative experience of, of going back to face-to-face? Let us know in the comments. There's a lot of uh, members who I speak to uh, because, you know, if, if somebody sends an email during the day, I'll, I'll ring them up and chat to, chat to them about it rather than just sending an email back. Um, so, Marta, you're in the house tonight. I've left you a voicemail regarding your email. Um but you know a lot of the members have said that they were really anxious about it and one of the um the coffee morning chats we had a couple of weeks ago once we'd got the the uh, step three um from the prime minister for the, of the roadmap we, you know we had the coffee morning chat which lasted about an hour and we spoke about people's anxieties about going back or just starting up because let's not forget that you know during the pandemic there's there's people like Andy Glover who's just said completed his level three and four in the past year nowhere near the hours I mentioned but these people have never actually plied their trade um so we we spoke about vulnerability issues we spoke about anxieties going back to work but one of the overriding messages that came through was that they're going to book their their regular clients in their the people who they perceive to be a friend so they could get used to it. So it was like a soft opening, if you like. Um, so a lot of a lot of members did that. Um, I've spoke to a lot of members who were absolutely exhausted after the first day. You know, of doing four clients. You know, not just physical exhaustion, but mental exhaustion of retraining yourself. Like you said, a lot can be achieved online, but that you know, being in the same room, albeit two meters away, or you know, with with PPE, being in the same room as somebody, there's a lot to be said for that. And, and that's one of the things that, that I miss because I don't teach anymore and I don't work in clinical practice. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult time for everybody as we, as we adapt. But, you know, some of the social media we've been putting out is, is, is about, you know, taking care of yourself, recognising that during the pandemic, during the lockdowns, during the restrictions, we've all had time to reflect about what's important to us. So let's not go back to saying yes, yes, yes to every client. Let's learn to say no. Say, so, well, actually, I, I physically can't fit you in. Uh, my appointment book is full. Um, I don't mind having a chat over the phone and giving you a little bit of advice. Uh, but at the moment, I just haven't got any face-to-face appointments because it is important that, you know, you get out for your run or you go for your walk or, or, or whatever. Um, 
Let's just have a look through the, the comments then. Anne's uh, left Becky's... something interesting there. Anne's just mentioned that, yeah, preparing, she, you know, clients who have just, you're the first person they've seen outside of their bubble, so they're going to be quite weird and emotional, and that's going to drain you as well. But, yeah, just for people listening to the podcast, Anne Cochrane has said, um, yeah, I've had a few emotional clients this week because I was the first person they'd seen outside their bubbles. So, yeah, it works both ways, doesn't it? People not quite sure what to expect. One thing that we asked in the coffee morning, I just, you know, the last question before we close the coffee morning chat was, you know, how do people feel? Because we have been in lockdown, we have had bubbles, but how do people feel going back face to face in a room with a client when they've not been able to go and give the mum a hug or the dad a hug? Not being able to speak to any family, you know, apart from through a window in an outside space not allowed because we're not in their bubble and yet we are okay going back to to face to face so that i couldn't reconcile that in my own mind uh, of how we uh, how people were feeling hmm. uh, oh martha's got my voice message that's good hmm. Half the people through the door were just for well-being massage uh, they'd missed the contact some some people do live alone yeah Becky suffered with verbal diarrhea being face to face with clients again. I've lost the art of actual conversation. Yeah, it's true. Suddenly you've got somebody giving it the large one in your ear hole and you're like, oh, geez, how did I support this before? Yeah, I'm sure it will come back. Right? Question mark, question mark. Yeah, Becky, I'm sure it will come back. I think quite a few people I know, I've seen other health professionals are still combining. I mean, this might be the future, you know, especially as now the common movement is away from for a lot of therapists doing manual therapy with your hands we know now more the importance of the listening and the speaking which can be done online to a certain extent so my services now I'm, I'm i'm doing as much as i can virtual but if i know that i'm going to have a to kind of examine them and face to face or the sort of person who needs that contact but i'm definitely combining the two and i think a lot of other therapists are doing that now we realize that you haven't got to get the person into your clinic all the time and that's sensible because like gary said last week you know we're not out of it yet it's still you know making sure that you're being careful and it's not all back to normal again. COVID-19 is still out there. So I wonder also whether how many people out there are thinking, actually, this virtual consultation for half my clients and then coming in for the other half might work quite well. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Zoom, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays or something face to face. Uh, yeah, you know, talking about it not going away, um, even in my village, I live in a very small village, um, but the, we have a community Facebook group but I've seen a couple of messages today from people who are saying, you know, can anybody go to the shops for me? I'm having to isolate. I've tested positive. So it's still around. Mm. You know, there's no way from it. I, I live four miles from a, from a COVID test station, which is the local agricultural site. And every time you go up there, there's cars there. Um, so it's still about, you know, the rates are going down. Um, I, whether you are, you know, a believer in it or not, whether you think it's a conspiracy or not, uh, you know, I know people who are ill. I know people who are suffering with long COVID, um, who who were age group triathletes and now struggling to balance what walking 50 meters. Um, you know, I think it's real. You know, I don't think it's a, a government conspiracy, but that's my opinion. Um, and I won't preach it to you anymore. <laughs> um, uh, Stevie Barr, can you put Stevie's yeah, comments sure. up? So Stevie just mentioned about the um, level three and four, you know, and, and concern about what, what he's heard and what material he's got, you know, compared to his own research. So, you know, people like Greg Lehman, Mike Grice from Movement Therapy Education, Ben Cormack and Adam Meekins, you know, 
by all means follow them you know if you're offended by bad language probably don't follow them um they, they like to swear a lot especially um, like guys oh terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I meant meekins and cormac <laughs> there um but you know i, I suppose meekins is a, is a love-hate one isn't it really i mean I used to hate him. Then I've got a lot of respect for him. Um, you know, he, he made me challenge myself. You know, he's the typical kind of guy who, who rolls a hand grenade into a room and then steps back and, and watches what's going on. You know, I, I don't work like that. And I respect that he, he's chose to work like that. But, you know, he, he put some good stuff out there. His, his, his shoulder complex course is, is very well respected. And they are doing some, some really good stuff. Um, the Massage Collective, that's, uh, you know, uh, Matt, um, Anna Maria and, and Becky, they're putting some really good stuff up at the moment. Um, so there's a lot of information out there. And, and what we're not doing is we're not dismissing sports massage and soft tissue therapy as a worthless um, passive intervention. What we're doing is we're just questioning the, the, the why we are doing things and, and, and the what we are explaining might have changed in, you know, in the last, uh, seven to ten years since some of those qualifications were were designed. Um, uh, yeah, Carol Brown. Steve, I'm interested with Steve. What's your concern? That is it so different? And when you put your own research in abbreviated commas, what do you mean? There's stuff you've been taught, or stuff you've actually looked up yourself? And because you have got to pick the people you follow according to your own personality as well. Not everyone is going to, you know, you've got to look at the what these people write in different ways. Greg Lehman has been for 20 years ahead of his time and, and he's so tired and you can see in his eyes, he's just like on the edge the whole time. As soon as somebody says something, it's it's very tiring because he was ahead of his time and saying things in the nineties that now people are putting on their blogs as if it's brand new. So he's very tired. Mike Grice, you know, that's different. I wouldn't put, I mean, I've got a lot of time for Mike Grice, I think particularly for people in this group because he's just bridging that gap really well. He's doing a great job bridging the gap. Uh, ben Cormack, again, does a lot of work with Adam Meekins. They're a good combination, actually, because Adam is or can be on Twitter and social media comes across as shouty, shouty. Then you meet him a real person and, and real humble and respectful, nice person. But Ben Cormack and those two kind of blend each other. But it's picking someone who, who suits your personality as well. Otherwise, you, you can get the wrong end of the stick. And the Massage Collective as well. I mean, I wouldn't put them in the, in the same group as these guys because they're, again, delivering a very healthy message. They're, they're I think particularly Matt is having to dumb down his true beliefs quite a lot just to kind of not ruffle too many feathers. But um, so there shouldn't be too, in a, there shouldn't be anything too offensive with what the massage collective is saying. If you find it is really kind of against what you are looking at, then that's a road to explore. Cause it would sound to me, if anybody finds what the massage collective are saying as revolutionary and kind of really, then I would definitely examine a little bit more what you're taking for granted and expecting as true. Um, but yeah, don't let anything offend you or worry you because at the end of the day, we're all doing the same thing. We're just talking about mechanisms of action here. You're not going to change anything you do really. It's just what you tell your clients and what you believe is happening under your hands and how much time you spend doing things with your hands. That's all. Also as well, Matt, it's worth mentioning, you know, all the people you mentioned are great educators there, you know, as an educator yourself, do you find some frustration in the information you're being asked to deliver um you know do you ever say well this is what i've been asked to, to teach you but this is what's happening you know are you given that sort of um free reign to to, to make some um anecdotal changes to the to the content 
I'm very lucky. Um, I'm very much the reason I like teaching is because I am left to myself. Um, I have to make sure that people pass the exams. But that's pretty much as, as as close as people look. Obviously, there's topic lists and schemes of work, and and I think I don't know. I think I've got just more. I don't try and fight it so much anymore. You know, these big organisations um, like VTCT and iTech and stuff. I don't know how quickly we can expect them to change, but I think the change will come from the teachers actually twisting a little bit. If the, all the teachers stop being proud of what they deliver and understand that it probably happens in all professions, chiropractors, osteopaths, physios, all of them have to tweak a little bit the course um, details, you know, just to be proud of that. They know they're putting something a bit evidence in form. So I don't mind it. I like it. I think the challenge is being the students, up to scratch in terms of look when we look at this critically it's a little bit different than what the examining board is saying but that's fine there's nothing wrong with that you're going to see that throughout your life and a lot of what we're talking about now will be changed in two or three years time so it can be quite i think be quite a handy lesson in life to let students know that just what it says in the exam might not be what's going to happen when you're in the room so i don't know i had a conversation with mike grice going back i don't know six months a year ago i think sort of lost concept of time recently um, and we were talking about the National Occupational Competency Standards uh, relating to electrotherapy. And I know Mike came on and, and, and we spoke about this briefly. Um, and I did list them on the on the shockwave one with Uber uh, and Mike. Um, but, but he was he felt uncomfortable teaching some of the occupation to some of the occupational competencies which were outdated. So, you know, my, my suggestion and, and what we came up between us was that, you know, so, sometimes if there is something that's outdated, we can use that as, a, as a, a really good learning experience, an opportunity for our students by explaining how the evidence has moved on since. So we might be talking about infrared heat lamps, uh, but we can then explain, well, since this, you know, occupational competency was, was incepted in 2009, for example, there's been a lot more research available. Um, we now know that it's not doing what we thought it was doing and, and the efficacy of its use is, is, is questionable and there's, there's not so much supporting evidence for it. So we can actually, we don't have to dismiss everything. We can just say, well, this is what it was. And Walt Fritz was an advocate of this, this as well. We're talking about, you know, what he used to teach and saying, well, that is what I believed at the time. But now, as the evidence has unfolded and, and, and there's more and more research, what we actually believe now is somewhat different to what we believed that back then. And, and as an educator, if you're big enough to, to stand in front of the class and say, well, you know, this was my belief, you know, but I've changed my belief because of this evidence, then I think that, you know, you're a good educator. We should all be able to stand up and, and say, um, you know, I'm wrong from time to time. Uh, Brian Huxley just mentioned rice is a great example. I don't know whether he's talking about his tea or, um, oh, it's the acronym, isn't it? Yeah, it's the uh, rest of press and elevate. Yeah. And there's so many acronyms that, that, that have been out since rice. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I think it's healthy. It's healthy that we uh, learn that not everything we're taught and read is, is totally applicable. There's nothing wrong with that. It'll always be like that because things happen, you know, Research takes a long time to get through to the clinic doors, we've said a lot of times. Um, Stevie Barr, just following up his concern, I guess I'm a total sponge. There is this danger. We've all done that. Most sports therapists, well, I did it. I did sports therapy and I was convinced I needed to be a physiotherapist. And then I realized that that wasn't it. I needed to be an osteopath and there was a podiatrist. And it, it takes sometimes it takes a long time before you realize I don't need to keep 
being something else. I'm just going to fine tune what I've got already. And I think it's particularly difficult with sports therapists because there there is such variety out there. And there is this idea that you've got to learn this new manual technique. Once you realize that it's not all in your hands, it's more about the way you interact with people, then you really can start fine tuning it. Whilst you think it's all about what can I do with my hands? And there's always another course to learn or another type of instrument to use or something. So like Mike Stewart said in the no pain episode, we did become a better teacher, become a better listener, educator, communicator. That's how really you help people. So yeah, watch out for being sponges. I used to think it was cool saying I'm an eternal student. Oh, it was lovely putting at the end of emails or we are eternal students, but I think that's, that can be really dangerous. Um, If we go back in one of the earlier sessions that we had, we, we, we spoke about, passive interventions and and we asked members to come up with um, a percentage that they perceived that their passive interventions made a difference whether that be dry needling cupping you know soft tissue whatever intervention you're you're one of choice and and how much was you as a therapist everything you've learned in life to that point how much was you and how much was the intervention that made that client feel better when they went out and and it averaged out about 25% was um, the intervention and 75% was the way that therapists spoke to them, listened to them, um, educated them, shared knowledge with them. Um, and I know that's going to be, you know, a more experienced therapist who might come to this uh, career as a second or third career even. They might have some transferable skills which, which put the put the client at ease. They might come from a fitness industry background and have an, an extensive knowledge of, of strength and conditioning or, or, or exercise prescription. So um, they might use their, their, their thumbs as an adjunct um, to, to, to their main sort of um, modality. So, yeah, I, I, there was always this saying about it's another tool for the toolbox, you know, but how many tools do we always have it already have in that toolbox that are not uh, what we've learned on a course, which which are things that we've um, you know we've picked up in life, the, you know the university of life. Um, still life. And and Cochrane says if somebody wants to start training now as a sports massage therapist, which co- courses and qualifications would you advise them to do? She went for an active IQ level three many years ago, which was face to face. Feel uncertain when where she should go next. So. Um, um, it depends when you did your level three with Active IQ, because if it was between, if it was before two thousand and nine, then that covered much of what's covered in the level four now, and some of what's in the level five. If it was between two thousand and nine and two thousand and fourteen, it may have had a remedial aspect to it, you know, the soft tissue therapy, or it may not have had. So, I think we need to have a conversation um, between you and I, um, so we can schedule a chat, so we can, I can let you know, but. You know, to a certain extent, it's a bit of a box ticking exercise at the moment. And I don't like saying that, but to, to get into the industry, if you want to train as a sports massage therapist, then what I would seriously do is ask around for personal recommendations from, from a local college or a local uh, training provider. Um, because, you know, it's not enough to say that Active IQ or VTCT is a, is a recognized qualification because the delivery will change. Uh, there'll be a massive variance in, in the delivery and, and teaching style 
Um, the qualification will be exactly the same at the end, but some, you know, let's just take a further education college with 38 academic weeks in the year, three hours practical, three hours theory, you know, three times four is 120, so it's 240 hours of training there. And yet the example I used before was 10 hours of face-to-face -face in that 220 guided learning hours. So ask for recommendations. Um, we do accredit certain courses, um, but again, you know, the... If I had my way and only accredited courses that met a standard, then we wouldn't accredit any courses. So what we have to do, there has to be a box ticking exercise and, 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 and a qualification that's on the awarding bodies, oh, sorry, on the qualifications framework is an acceptable qualification. Level four, as I've said to a lot of people uh, recently, is a box ticking exercise. You know, a lot of level three therapists were excluded from work when we're in various tiers or various lockdown stages because they had didn't have a remedial aspect to their uh, to their remit to their qualification whereas level four they were permitted to work so to a certain extent you've got to tick that box and get your level four um, but i will fight your case if your level three is historic uh, and it meets the standard so this is why i, I speak to every member who, who said i've got level three and it might be a level three diploma from the institute international institute of sports therapy going back to the 90s or the early 2000s so speak to me about your particular qualification i've got fairly good comprehensive knowledge of, of what they equal uh, in today's money so to speak when does a sports massage therapist turn into a sports therapist when does the when when does the massage bit come out of it you know because on level four for example i teach level three and level four and level three i don't mind level three the way i teach it because it's for people to get used to massage which i think is really important um i i learned massage in in a in a wigwam in the middle of some park somewhere in brighton and it was really very hippie and it was great and i and i believe that a lot of the, the joy i have for massage and give to people is because i am imagining the sea and i'm using that rhythm and I'm, i remember the teacher saying you know close your eyes and just enjoy it yourself and then that'll transmit to them and it was just it it set you up with that rhythm and that contact and that empathy both verbal and also just in your movements and keeping contact and that's what i get my students to practice on level three and also just identifying obviously um, tissue which they're not allowed to work on if it is an injury as opposed to what vtct called dysfunctional but when I get to level four, then I make it quite clear, right, okay, it's still called sports massage therapy, but I'm going to teach you now a lot which isn't massage. It's still called sports massage therapy, but I wonder whether whether that title limits it. If it's called sports massage therapy, it's kind of suggesting that everything you do is evolves around massage, whereas at least on my level four, it's not in the syllabus, but I'm teaching them loading. I'm teaching them the importance of giving them strengthening exercise instead of stretching and um, the importance of understanding when not to stretch um, and kind of flags to that. So do you think the term sports massage therapy is limiting in itself? Uh, I do. And, and, and if you notice, if you have a look at, um, uh, Mel Cash and ISRM and uh, the SMA, they are now associations of soft tissue therapists mm -hmm. because originally sports remedial massage, there was no therapy descriptor for remedial massage. So um, it was a bit of a, you know, a defunct title. So they've moved over to soft tissue therapy. And I think, yes, the, the level three sports massage, but it shouldn't be sports massage therapy because in, in, in real terms, there isn't a therapeutic, you know, there isn't a, a reason for doing it because we're not working on pathological tissue. So um, 
I'm going to come back to that comment, Brian, in a second. Um, so soft tissue therapy, level four and level five, advanced soft tissue therapy. Now, if you look, and the only thing that we've got to, to base this on is the National Occupational Competency Standards, which are Sector Skills Council owned. So skills for health own the sports therapy ones. Um, and there is a sports massage uh, one, which has been... Um, there was no consultation on the on the newer version that's held by the CNHC at the moment, and that was done by one of the uh, directors of the SMA, I believe, as I say, without consultation to the wider industry. But there's no minimum standard for, for sports therapy uh, in education. So um, it's you don't have to be a degree. Or you don't have to have a degree or, or go to university. But ethically, we must, must meet the 14 occupational competencies of sports therapy to call ourselves a sports therapist. Now, this is one of the questions that I wanted to to bring up with David earlier was that, you know, if a module on a course, okay, doesn't have an assessment of, of competency, how can we be insured for that? So let you, you're teaching, you know, you're, I'll use your example of teaching on your level four course about uh, strength and conditioning. You know, do you in any way assess your student cohort have been occupationally competent to prescribe that type of activity. And if you do, what certificate do they get? You know, on the back of the VTCT level four certificate, does it say strength and, con strength and um, conditioning? Does it say, um, does it have a module list that they've been, uh, you know, assessed as being occupationally competent? And if it does, then in my opinion, it should be insurable. But if it's a module that you just complete, um, you know, then is it should it be insurable? I'll just put the question out there. Uh, Brian Huxley said that level four should be sports therapy. Well, I kind of agree, Brian, and I kind of disagree because, as I've just mentioned, if the level four met all of the occupational competencies, then it should be it should be uh, sports therapy. But if it doesn't, then it shouldn't. And this is where numerical. Um, things came in, you know, the awarding bodies, you know, there was a level three that was perfectly fit for purpose, but the awarding bodies wanted to sell another course. So instead of developing the level three and adding something to it, they watered down the level three and delivered the level three, the existing level three as a level four course. Over time, there have been changes made to that level four. Um, but, you know, primarily private training providers use numerical levels as a marketing tool. So you might see a level six diploma um, you know open brackets degree equivalent well, it's not a degree equivalent because it's not done in the university it's not done to the same standards it doesn't have the same amount of hours the reflective um, critical analysis etc it might just be a, a marketing tool so really check out you know when you're signing up for these i think you're um, gonna have to it's like who said um you check out the teacher as well because I'm, I'm, I don't know what other teachers are like, so I can, so I can only comment on myself, but I'm 20, 30% of what I deliver on level four isn't in the syllabus and is not needed. I just give it because I want to know that when my students go into clinic, they're not going to have a total shock and surprise and realize that none of their people are getting better because all they're doing is, I mean, level four is simply level three plus METs, cross friction, myofascial release. Um, what else was it? Um, active release or something it's just all manual therapy it's five different manual therapy things and that's it and, no and mention of strength and conditioning at all on it at all no. at all at all so but if, if you look at the way that 
qualifications should be designed if we look at the course attributes for for course qualifications level three so personal trainers sports massage yeah you apply a skill so it's an application so your assessment will be you applying those skills that you've learned as a personal trainer i.e taking somebody through a a 60-minute session a warm-up a a main session and a cool down or being assessed giving a sports massage now the only thing that should be different uh, for a level four is there should be an analytical behavior. So it should be your subjective, your objectives. I don't think that soft tissue therapy, or soft tissue therapy techniques should be taught anything other than level three because you're applying them. Yes, you can have a depth of understanding of why you're doing it, what the likely outcomes will be. But at level five, it's synthesis. It's how do you put together a training program, a periodization um it's not a oh, i'm going to teach you another soft tissue technique or electrotherapy and we'll call it level five so the way that we we design qualifications has has really um changed over the past decade or decade and a half um so that it's numerically um superior instead of uh, course attribute superior so there's no hierarchy of the numeral numerals at the moment um so we've got another comments here i'm going to read out helen stones because she took a long time to type it helen stone says i came originally from radiography having trained in the 80s the teaching was the same varied open to discussion things changed over the years leaving it up to us to move with the times this profession is lucky to have so much opinion and variety but in turn leads to a lot of mind madness for me anyway i find it's an art not to get bogged down and stick to the end product doing the best for the patient having competency guidelines will certainly help yeah, it is interesting calling it an art because that does make you realise it's not black and white anyway. And, you know, you need to react to the person in front of you. It's true. Oh, yeah, the special tests in level four. I have to go through all of them. But again, it's just giving it the names. And, and they're just it's like students look at me and go, seriously, you want to learn all these names? I'm like, yeah, but you're never going to use them again. If you want to see how some what do a special test on someone's shoulder, just say what makes it hurt. You haven't got to do the name, the name of this, and the name of this, and the name of this, and the name of this. Just put it into different positions or, you know, but people are trying to get rid of these names. But, yeah, the level four syllabus is something I don't even show my students because it's just scary when you look at the list of different special tests. But, you know, um, it, you take the, the shoulder tests, for example. Um, we used to teach them to, uh, you know, a methodology. Um, but it really... If you've done an abdu- a simple abduction, you know, a 30 degrees abduction, and the client experiences pain, there's no point in doing anything else because all you're going to do is reinforce that they're in pain, just doing a different movement. So how special are special tests? And like you said, Matt, it's about the communication. Uh, I-, I never say what makes it hurt. I always used to say, you know, what, what can you do before mm-hmm. the on comfort? I-, I try and move away from the word pain because mm-hmm. it's... it's catastrophizes things but you know what can you do um, before you get any discomfort let's let's focus on that let's focus on changing the parameters of that movement but still within the uh, you know the sort of brackets of, of comfort and that might be some you know some passive interventions we mentioned that might be some passive movements um, and it, it might be some um, sort of compound movements for example is not using that joint to promote the movement by using another joint and the, and the, the bad joint in effect com- becomes a secondary movement um, yeah it, it is an art 
It is. It, 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 I, I once assessed a student and, and, and they were going, one, two, three. I said, whoa, what are you doing? He says, oh, there's 16 of these before I move on to the next. What do you mean a routine? It's, it should be intuitive, mm. you know, as, as we're treating people. I've just um, find Louise Acre that special test is, I haven't done these in ages, she says. They, they yeah. them intuitively. Someone's got an ankle, you automatically do these tests and you know, some of them are useful to know. Obviously, it's not all of them. Let's not chuck them all out. Like if you're doing a draw test or something to test laxity. But then again, the other thing I find myself telling students is all these special tests, but then the actual exercise you give the person at the end is going to involve it as an ankle standing on one leg and trying to balance and then moving their upper body around and gradually progressing it so they get stronger and better and more capable and confident in doing it. So a lot of this diagnosing is just invented by the industry as well. To, and it's part of the problem. You know, if, if we just get rid of the diagnosis to a certain extent, once we've ruled out dangerous stuff, then we just got to ease the person back into being able to use it again. You know, it's tricky. Uh, Tina EB. Hi, Tina. How are you doing? Tina's local to me. There we are. Tina EB. One day no, and you take no. assess it the next. Go up one. Go up. up oh, one. Right. sorry. I've started half <laughs> through there. There we go. Um, so Tina EB says, do some of the industry award problems stem from tutors being able to teach what they are qualified in with or without field based experience, i.e. past the course? I'll have a go at answering that if, mm -hmm. I, if I may. Then. So if, if you look at a university setting, OK, um, normally you would go and do a, an undergraduate qualification and then if you, as, as the, uh, the, the lads were uh, inferring last week, is there was, there was no employment route for them to go after their undergraduate studies. They got the degree, so they went on to the master's programme. Now, what tends to happen is those master's programmes, you will start teaching on the undergraduate programme. So you might not have any field experience or clinical relevance or clinical competency. So in that setting, then, I think there is a likelihood that you are being taught by somebody who might not have, um, um, have, have been working in, in, in the industry. Um, now, in the soft tissue industry, we'll call it that, um, the awarding organisations used to have um, some criteria which said that um, the tutor had to be qualified to a level four if they wanted to teach a level three, a level five if they wanted to teach a level four, and had two years clinical experience working at that level before they could teach. Now, I'm not sure if that's still um, still the case because I haven't really looked at the, the tutor qualifications and things, but I, I know for a fact there are tutors out there who have, have never treated anybody um, they've never worked in, in the industry and yet they are teaching and it, you know, there's, I can't police that. That's the awarding organizations who should be policing that. And, and if we accredit a course, Tom Bell, who's our accreditations officer, will go through with a fine tooth comb, the tutor and the assessor CV. Um, he will look at the schemes of work. He will look at the, the syllabus. He will look at the policies and procedures for assessment and verification so that we know and we've got confidence that those courses meet a standard. We might not think that that standard is high enough, but at the moment, that's the standard that we've got. Um, question here. Yeah, very good question. Mm -hmm. uh, she, Tina's come back then. She, I tutor and assess fitness industry qualifications as soon as I've passed 
as soon as I passed sports therapy within a week, I was asked if I could cover an industry award course, politely declined. Um, yeah, I, I worked in further education and um, I was teaching on a sports course um, and, and I was asked to go to uh, to a, a, an office, you know, the school's office uh, and asked if I would mind teaching the uh, the legal aspect of, of, of a, a uniform services course. And I said, well, I don't know anything about it. Well, you've been in the army, so I'll be okay, you've got to do it. And I, I politely declined as well because I didn't think that I, I had that the, the skill or the knowledge to do that. So yes, unfortunately it does exist. So people out there, we've got, five minutes left um unfortunately it hasn't been possible to connect with uh, david from balance insurance tonight we'll reschedule it we've got a few gaps so it will be um it will happen apologies that has happened tonight uh, but it's been a nice chance to have a little chat with people who have come in here if you listen to the podcast and you thought oh, i would have liked to have been in that group there to put some questions for us and give some feedback then all you got to do is join us on tuesdays it's every tuesday eight o'clock um, in the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page, or you can watch it on uh, YouTube as well. You can watch it live and comment from YouTube. Um, so you've got both of those options. Um, but for now, I think Brian has just uh, put a little comment on there. So true, Gaz. I know some beauty therapy tutors who have no experience whatsoever in SMT and are teaching from a book. I think it works both ways, though, because there's also teach or there's also clinicians who are still being clinicians but they're still doing what they've done for the last 10 years and they're just really believing what they're doing and they haven't evolved so you can get people who are teaching and still teaching at the same time and still treating at the same time i think it's communication more than anything i think it's communicating with people and that goes for everybody just communicating with people who aren't necessarily always on the same page as you and one of the problems with regulation i think and having one book which we all have to follow from is you don't evolve like that. You know, we need to have people doing slightly different things and believing slightly different things and practicing different things because that's how the the anecdotal evidence and the clinical evidence which you see in clinic turns around and becomes something interesting to study. So we do need to be all on a slightly different corner of the page, if, it, if, if you like. Um, so that's what I think one of the dangers of us all thinking we just need everyone to be doing the same guidelines because then no one would experiment. But what we do need all together is just all being happy to criticize what we do and to see how we could be wrong. And anything you do believe and read, think, mm, how could that be wrong? Because that's what science does. How can we disprove this? That's the way to look at it rather than thinking, oh, I love this. I enjoy this. Let's look things that support it. Let's find some things online which, which agree with me and people who do it as well. Challenge everything. And that will make you a good clinician, I think. Uh, um, <laughs> there you go, Gary. You were worried about us rattling on Craig there. Look at that. Put it on screen. Yeah. It's actually been great yeah. listening to you guys without a guest. Thanks, Craig. It's made uh, us feel better. If I, two two things, Matt. If I if I may yes. just to finish off, um, people may suggest, or it may have been suggested in the past, that I bang on about standards quite a lot. Okay, well I do uh, because I think it's important. Now, if we wanted to change the sports therapy standards. We would have to go to the Sector Skills Council and pay them £20,000 for the privilege of changing the standards. So what we've been doing in the background is we've been negotiating with the Sector Skills Council and, and basically telling them that what they own is not fit for purpose. 
but we were willing to help them by providing some up-to-date um, evidence-informed um, occupational competencies. Um, so we are producing a form at the moment which is going to go out to all members where they can um, fill it in and say what they believe are the competencies required to be a successful sports therapist or sports massage therapist, soft tissue therapist. And then we're going to put those forward and hopefully get those sort of co-opted without paying the, the enormous fee. Um, so that's one thing. Um, secondly, when you were talking away there, Matt, about challenging behaviour and things, I can remember I was teaching with with Brian one weekend, and my plumber, who was a you know a very good footballer, played uh, semi-pro. Um, he had a, an IT band issue, and you know when we were taught, you know knuckles down the IT band, get your elbow in there, and he sent me a, a, a YouTube video um, of somebody with a sink plunger on the IT band and they plunged it and they were doing some movements, you know, some sort of active movements whilst they were decompressing these tissues instead of compressing them. And so what, what we did is we actually went out at lunchtime and bought some plungers and said to the people, right, play around with these. Does it make a difference? Does it feel different if you're compressing it or decompressing it? And so that, that just came as a simple thing from a plumber, but it got us then to start thinking. And we're going back to the days when we were taught that IT band problems, get your knuckles down there, really sort of work it out. So, yeah, don't be afraid to try things. Don't be afraid to, to evolve, you know, uh, because unless we try things, there's no new research. We, we need to have some fresh ideas. Okay, well, we'll call it a night there. Thanks, people, for joining us. I mean, it's only been an interesting chat because we've had kind of 35-odd people in here um, inspiring us and chatting to us like you always do. So thanks again for people who join us live. Um, if you listen to the recording, then maybe think about it. hasn't got to be every Tuesday if you don't want to, but come in. Um, for next Tuesday, uh, it should be Mark Laslett. I do encourage you to come along for that. Um, I've, I've grabbed him from a couple of other shows I've listened to. A really nice way of updating your beliefs um, around sacroiliac joint um, pain, which is a big topic. A lot of people suffering from that and they may be suffering unnecessarily uh, because of what they've been told is a good example where we need to brush up on the language we use. So that'll be next week. Thanks, Gary. We'll see you soon. Everybody else. Yeah, cheers, everybody. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.